God and Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, bring us life. Bring us greater faith in Christ Jesus. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are continuing our series, Called by Faith. Last week, I'm sorry, two weeks ago, we started with the story of Zacchaeus. That God called an unlikely sinner and brought him to saving faith. Then last week, this slide says, we had a, a sermon about the storms of life. About the trials and tribulations. And how about there's doubt and faith. And how we are easily overcome by those storms. But we are to fix our eyes. To fix our heart, our mind, our soul on Christ Jesus who is the great I am. Now this week, this week we are going to go to the opposite end. And the slide should actually say part three, and it should say, can these bones live? Because we are actually going to go, rather than a storm, we're going to go to the desert. We're going to go to a very dry, arid place. Because sometimes in our walk of faith, it is dry. And it's so brittle sometimes that we think, is my faith even alive? Can my faith live? And so we are going to take encouragement from the book of Ezekiel. Because we are going to go to the valley of dry bones, this graveyard of dry bones. And find that even there, God promises life. So let's talk about Ezekiel for a moment. Ezekiel, a lot of people don't know too much about him. He was a prophet in the Old Testament. He was a contemporary of Jeremiah. He was also a Jewish priest. And at the age of 26, King Nebuchadnezzar, had conquered Jerusalem, and he took a lot of the Israelites into captivity in Babylon. Ezekiel was one of those. And after four years in captivity, God called him to be his prophet. So God called Ezekiel to be a prophet. Now you have to know, during that time, it was a time of great upheaval. I wouldn't want to have been called a prophet in that time, although to be called a pastor in this time, you're going to see that there are many parallels. It was a time of great upheaval. There was international unrest. There, was, there were power struggles that were going on. Not only was, were the Israelites captured, they were mocked by their captors. And not only that, there was a great apostasy. Apostasy, that means abandoning one's faith, of renouncing of one's faith, of what you once held dear. And there was idol worship. There was such bad idol worship that God called them, that God called the Israelites whoring after the idols. Okay? You understand, that's the time that Ezekiel was called. And I'm going to guess you can see parallels in our day today. There's great unrest everywhere, it seems. Christianity, by the way, is the number one persecuted religion in the world. 
that we are often mocked, are we not? And we can also be sued, shut down, or many other things, even by the government at times. And there's a lot of apostasy, isn't there? People have fallen away. So if you think preaching from the Old Testament has no relevance to today, just take a look at Ezekiel and just take a look at today. Now, I know when I say things like this, it's really easy to become deflated, right? To become hopeless. But we should never be a people without hope. We should be one of the most hopeful people around. You see, even in the midst of Israelites and what was going on in the nation of Israel, even in that midst, God sent a messenger to declare the word of the Lord. In fact, the name Ezekiel means God will strengthen. So Ezekiel did pronounce much judgment, but when Jerusalem fell, he gave words of encouragement He gave words of hope. He reminded people that God was still with them. And even when it seemed hopeless, God carries through on his promises for nations, for countries, for communities, for churches, even people who seem spiritually dead. God is there with his promises. So our journey today is actually one from death to life, from no hope to full hope. So we're going to start first in the valley, in a graveyard, where there seems to be no hope. Ezekiel chapter 37, starting in verse 1, the hand of the Lord was upon me, And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones, and he led me around them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. So God puts Ezekiel in this very vivid, vivid vision. And he puts him down in this valley where there's all the bones, a graveyard, if you will. Really, it's a graveyard, but it's not a small graveyard. This valley, think about it, five miles long. If you were traveling 60 miles an hour, it would take you five minutes to go by this graveyard. If you were walking, even at a regular pace, it would take you several hours. And it was several miles wide. So what kind of vision was Ezekiel really seeing? Was it of just actual bones? Or did it represent something else? And indeed, it did represent something else. Because it wasn't just physical death. God let Ezekiel see all of the sin and spiritual death that abounded. This wasn't a graveyard of physical death, but a graveyard of spiritual death caused by sin. You see, you take a look at the condition in our nation right now, and there's a lot of areas where there are graveyards. 
People are spiritually dead, and you can see that just by what's happening in our culture. There's a spiritual death. So if we look at the valley, if Ezekiel saw this valley, I wonder what he would see. So borrowing from the Reverend Derek uh, Garth, Ezekiel saw footbones that were not standing on the promises of God. Leg bones that walked in the counsel of the ungodly. Knee bones that did not bow at the name of Jesus. Hip bones that sat in the seat of scoffers. Backbones that refused to carry each other's burdens. Shoulder bones that would not bear the cross. And neck bones that were stiff in sin. So when you take a look at the valley here, even Fountain Hills, which many other pastors have said is very spiritually hard ground, you think, is there any possibility, is there any hope for the valley, for the community, for the churches, for the individuals? Can there be spiritual life here? Can these bones live? And see, that's the question that God posed to Ezekiel. Can these bones live? Going on. And he said to me, this is God, and he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. You see, God asking Ezekiel, can these bones live? Was a rhetorical question. It was meant to show the feebleness the actual impotence of Israel during the exile. Yes, God had made promises to the nation, but now the question was, can a dead, impotent, feeble nation in exile once again be resurrected, become a living, thriving kingdom of God? Can these bones live? Seems to be a preposterous question for Israel for the decay, the whoring after idols. And can these bones live seems to be a preposterous question to many in our nation and in the world today. Take a look at the landscape in which we live. Take a look at the destruction of marriages, the high rate of divorce, the utter confusion regarding gender and sexuality, Take a look at the shootings that are in schools, that are in malls, that are in churches that seem to have been commonplace, but even more sobering than this. Listen to the statistics regarding suicide. In 2021, an estimated 12.3 million American adults seriously thought about suicide. 3.5 million planned a suicide attempt and 1.7 million attempted suicide. For the age groups 10 to 14, 15 to 24, and 25 to 34, suicide is the second leading cause of death. And for ages 10 to 14, the leading method of suicide is suffocation. Those are sobering 
statistics. Now, some people will say, well, look, this is just a, because there's an economic problem, or it's a social problem, or it's a gun problem, or it's a racial problem. And yes, it might be some of that, but it points to something much, much greater. It is a spiritual problem. See, you can spend all the money you want on all these problems with social, social programs. You can make laws all you want. Will they help a little? Sure. Does it get to the root cause? No. Because ultimately, it is a spiritual problem that engulfs our nation. You see, when spiritual death happens, the only thing left is despair. When spiritual death occurs, and that's what the devil wants, by the way. When spiritual death occurs, you ultimately enter into the gates of hell, which Dante wrote about, because do you remember what was over the gate of hell? What did it say over the gate of hell in Dante's? It said, abandon hope, all ye who enter here. When spiritual death happens, you abandon hope. And when there is no hope, physical death is not far behind. So when we ask, can these bones live? There's a weight, there's a reality to that question. Ezekiel knew that. And Ezekiel knew that man was limited by his power. By man's power alone there was no way he could do anything. It had to come from the might of God. And thus he responds, O oh Lord God, you know. And our Heavenly Father does know exactly what is needed. To come out of the valley of death, we need to hear the word of the Lord. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O oh dry bones, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and to cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Look, God did not send a social justice warrior to this valley. He did not send a social reformer. He did not send a politician to create different laws or put in economic policies. He did not send in an educator even. Who did God send? He sent a preacher. God sent a preacher to preach the word of the Lord. Now in our day and age, people think that's just the utterness of foolishness. The utter height of foolishness. What? Are you kidding me? To bring in a preacher to preach the word of the Lord, that's going to help our nation? That's foolishness, they would say. But from our reading from 1 Corinthians, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The thing to do is to share God's Word. 
day in, day out. Be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you. It's from 1 Peter. You know, in most of your come and see conversations, it's going to be just like what John and Decca talked about. It's come and see. Occasionally, occasionally, it might go a little deeper. Somebody say, well, why go to church? I mean, what would you say to that? I go to church to hear the word of the Lord. To know ever more about the love that Jesus has for us. Could be as simple as that. And it could be that's exactly what somebody might need to hear. See, brothers and sisters, when somebody's in the valley, walk beside them. Share with them the word of the Lord. Now, the word of the Lord works two ways, by the way. It works both in law and gospel. Law and gospel. See, for those people whose hearts are really hardened, hardened by sin, hardened and calloused by the world, God's word works on them and it breaks their hardness of their heart, pierces their heart. For those who have died from hardness of heart, the word of God is what's needed to pierce the hardness. Remember I said Jeremiah was a contemporary of Ezekiel? In Jeremiah chapter 23, God said this, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces? God's word does its work. Hebrews chapter 4 says, The word of the Lord is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing, to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eye of him to whom we must give account. So God's word works like a hammer and breaks the hardness of heart. That's the law. But the promise is, that he will give you a heart of flesh as well. Ezekiel chapter 36, just before our reading chapter from our reading today, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And, and give you a heart, I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. You see, from those who have died from brokenness and heartache, the Word of God is needed to bring healing. And this is where the Gospel comes in. And you share the Gospel with them. That how much God loves them. That He sent His Son Jesus to pay the penalty for their sin. For all our sins. And when you believe Jesus is Lord and Savior, you're forgiven completely. That you are given a new life. A new life, not of the world, but a new life of joy, of peace, 
And you have the promise of everlasting life with them. That in Christ Jesus, you have a new, new life. Where once you were dead, now you are alive in Christ Jesus. See, this is at what this is what's at heart in the gospel message. This is what brings people from death to life. And so the answer is always God's word. That's why from this pulpit, we aren't going to preach psychology, self-help, social justice, politics. We're not going to preach any of that. Because the only thing that truly works is God's word. Peter said this, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So this is what we preach. This is what we teach. This is what we share. So when we, when we really talk about being a church that's Bible-based, Christ-centered, and gospel-focused, it has a deep meaning to it because it gives us life. And I know that from looking at each and every one of you, you being here today, there is a life in this church because of the gospel, because of the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, when Ezekiel preached the word of the Lord to those dead bones, there was a miracle that happened. Life life came from where there was no life. He said, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And I prophesied there was a sound and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked and behold, there were sinew on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. You see, when the Word of God is preached, impossible things begin to happen. Yeah, hallelujah, right? Impossible things begin to happen. When people have a new life in Christ Jesus, oh, you would think, I didn't even know who you were before. You're a totally different person. The lifeless, hopeless dead begin to stir. This is what happened. Now, here's a caution, okay? Were the bones truly fully alive yet? They weren't, were they? They weren't fully alive yet. And the caution is people could stop right there and say, well, they had enough form, they must be alive. See, there are a lot of people who go to church who are dead men walking. They have the form of church. They have the form of religion. But they actually are not alive in Christ Jesus. I'm going to guess you've met plenty of people like that. They have the form, but there's, there's no spark of life in them. So you have to understand, where does this actual life, where does this spark come from? You see, the Word of God must be received with the Spirit of God. Or you could say the Word of God must be received by or through the Spirit of God. Jesus said this, John chapter 6, 
It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. There are people who've gone to church their whole life and they still haven't become alive. They haven't become alive in Christ because they have not been born again by the Spirit. So, going back, going back now to Ezekiel. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God. I love that praise. Thus says the Lord God. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Just as God formed man from the dust of the ground, he breathed life in them. The very breath from the Spirit of God gives life to them, gave life to the nation of Israel. Full spiritual rebirth only happens by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who's the Lord and giver of life. That's what we confessed this morning in the Nicene Creed. With the Holy Spirit, you are a new creation. One that glorifies God. Now, does that mean, does that mean to be alive in the Spirit, you have to be an extrovert? No. Okay? That does not mean y'all, you know, you gotta wave your hands and talk loud and everything like that. that. That's not it. You can be alive in the Spirit and still be an introvert. But you can still tell who's somebody who's alive in the Spirit and is an introvert, and somebody who's alive in the Spirit and is uh, who's an introvert but is not alive in the Spirit. You can tell that difference, right? Same way with an extrovert. See, there's something else going on in that person that they have a passion, whether it's a quiet passion, whether it's a louder passion. But you can tell there's a desire to follow Jesus more and more. That's what we're talking about here. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit. You see, as God gave life, Israel life and led them out of the graveyard of death, He can give new life to our nation, our community, our churches, and you. So the question is, can these bones live? And what's the answer? Yes! Yes is the answer. God can bring life where there seems to be no life. So we are a people of hope and eternal hope. So today, the best way to renew your life is to open your ears and hear the word of the Lord, to receive the gospel message that you are forgiven and made alive in Christ. And by the way, this is not just a one and done, right? None of these are just a one and done. You need to continually open your ears and hear the word of the Lord. I need to. I need to. I need to hear the gospel again and again because I forget again and again. And especially when you're in a graveyard with other people who are dead, you need to hear the gospel again and again. And be filled with his love. Rise up 
and live. For that's the word of the Lord. Amen.